FDBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. It's time for Political Rewind. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'm Bill Nygut. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, and uh, because we have a pledge show going on today, we are going to try to get as much in as possible when uh, when uh, Bert Wesley Huffman and Sarah Zaslow of our team are uh, not talking to you about why we need your support. Joining me today... Uh, State Senator Jen Jordan, Democrat who represents uh, pr- mostly Atlanta. You move up a little into it's a little suburban swath in your district. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got Sandy Springs. Right. I've got Vinings. I've right. got Smyrna. It's incredibly diverse. A, a diverse district. Eric Tannenblatt, Republican insider. Uh, he has worked with, as we've said when we introduce him with presidential candidates, he's Worked for George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, a Mitt Romney man during that uh, presidential campaign in 2008. Um, and uh, I assume you're going to start gearing up to help raise money for people like David Perdue and others this cycle? I am. I'm hosting an event for David this week. But you left off the most important thing. I am a constituent of, of Senator Jordan. Oh, good. Do you have some... Are there some needs you have you want to address It may address come up during the her? show. Okay. <laughs> Eric Tambolat also was the chief of staff for uh, former Governor Sonny Perdue, and he's like the global head of government relations for Denton's, the world's largest law firm. Yes. And, in fact, this week we uh, um, had a big milestone. We hired our 10,000th lawyer. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, also, as a son, graduating from Dartmouth in just a few weeks, we congratulate you Thank on you. that. Uh, all right, let's do this. I want a quick note. Remember, we're coming to Cartersville to record our show in front of a live audience on Monday night, June 3rd. Um, Buddy Darden's going to be up there with us. Jim Galloway will be with us. AJC editor Kevin Riley is going to be there, and so will Republican Leo Smith. And we're going to turn it into a town meeting. We really want you to turn out so we can ask you what you think of what's happening in Georgia politics and in national politics. Go to the Political Rewind page at, uh, or go to our website at uh, politicalrewind.org. You'll see a link where you can sign up for a free ticket. And very one other quick announcement. Robert Jimison has posted a podcast that Jen Jordan, you told me you listened to. It's a conversation with Amy Steigerwald of Georgia State talking about all of the legal implications of HB 481. Yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's been paying attention on social media or just in the news, um, there have been just... major conversations and debates about what 481 does or doesn't do, especially in terms of uh, possible criminal liability being ex- extended to women in this state. And um, and I've done an analysis. Other people have. And, you know, the Washington Post said one thing, Slate said another. And so what um, Dr. Amy did is she basically broke it down. And um, it is probably one of the best um, analyses I've heard of HB 481. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet. Uh, Donna Lowry was also a part of that. So go to our the Political Rewind page uh, on, on uh, the GPB News page, and you'll find it there. Um, speaking of 481, uh, Senator, you were at a rally yesterday with a New York senator and President Democratic presidential candidate Kristen Gillibrand. She brought her campaign 
to Georgia, and her message was we have to fight against all of these uh, anti-abortion laws that are being passed uh, in states across the country now. Yeah, I think it's one of these things where um, now the presidential field, especially on the Democratic side with so many women, are kind of waking up to the fact that they have to take a stand and, or they have to kind of um, say exactly what they believe one way or the other. I know that um, Elizabeth Warren um, released her kind of platform on women's reproductive rights this morning. Um, I think Gillibrand was very clear yesterday in terms of um, being pro-choice and trying to protect the tenants of Roe v. Wade. And I think um, we saw an incredible amount of energy around that event yesterday, which was surprising because Kirsten Gillibrand is not exactly um, a household name here in yeah. Georgia. And to have that much energy um, around her coming because of the fact it dealt with 481 was was really interesting to me. You know, Eric, so with the 2020 cycle really now underway, you have to wonder to an extent um, – our Republicans here in Georgia, Alabama passing its bill, which which does, and now it's been signed into law, which virtually outlaws abortion under any circumstance. Um, Ohio's uh, passed a bill. We've seen them pa being passed in any number of states. Are Republicans giving Democrats some energy to fight back in any number of races in 2020 as a result of this? Well, look, this is an issue that uh, sort of cuts both ways. I mean, there's passion on both sides. And I mean, here in Georgia, while, you know, there was a lot of energy, uh, you know, around Senator Gillibrand being here, there's a lot of energy right now in Savannah among, you know, Republicans uh, about the fact that uh, this bill passed in, in Georgia. So there's support on, on both sides of it. Now, I'll say about Senator Gillibrand, she 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 has probably, I would say, among the Democratic candidates running for president right now, has put gender front and center. I mean, most of when you think of Kristen Gillibrand, you think of gender issues, unlike Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. They're, they're, they, it seems like they're talking about a broader array of issues where Senator Gillibrand is really focusing on, on gender issues. Um, you know what? I, I'm curious about something, though, uh, Jen. It, Eric makes a point that the, the people who are against abortion are uh, rallying around these uh, measures. But don't people get more energized when they're fighting something than when they're supporting something? You know, you know what I'm, I'm suggesting there? That the mobilization to strike, to, to go after people who have passed these laws may be more highly energized than the people who are saying, thanks for doing it, we'll turn out and vote for you. Yeah, I mean, I think fear is one of the greatest motivators. I mean, I think we saw it. I mean, you know, President Trump used it incredibly well in, in his election and, and continues to do it when he kind of talks about the southern border. Um, but but I think with respect to 481, there's real fear, I mean, for women, because this really touches every part of their life. And I think that's where you see a difference, too, in terms of the normal battle lines between Democrats and Republicans. I mean, 481 is so overreaching that even people who consider themselves pro-life, I've, you know, in terms of the people I've talked to or who had always considered themselves pro-life think that that 481 is, is just a little, it goes just way too far. Eric? Well, I mean, I've heard that from, from some people, but I've also heard from a number of people that are strong, ardent, and these are women, pro-life uh, supporters that uh, feel a great sense of accomplishment, and they applaud the governor 
for holding true to his word. And as you talked about the passion behind the fight, they've been fighting for a long time. And the fight's not over. This is likely going to go to the courts. Um, and so I, I just don't want to, and this has nothing to do with where I personally stand, And but, but this is, it's a fact that we are a diverse state and this is an issue that is split. And there are a lot of people around this state that, you know, are very supportive of this bill. All right. I got to get us to a pledge break. This is Political Rewind. State Senator Jen Jordan and Eric Tannenblatt are in the studio with me today. Jim Galloway's gone off on vacation, and uh, so we're without him for a week or so, but we wish him a happy, happy time off. Um, Eric, let me start with you on this. We, uh, Jim Beck, the insurance commissioner, has dominated a lot of headlines in political news this week. He was uh, indicted in 38 counts of fraud and other felony offenses, and uh, he has now agreed to suspend his work. It told the governor, yes, he would accept a suspension, but as insurance commissioner, while he awaits trial, but he still collects his what hundred thirty thousand dollars salary. Uh, the governor will have a period of time to assess whether he should simply remove him from the job. And in fact, the governor has said he does think that Beck ought to step down entirely. This isn't great news for Republicans on the weekend they head into their state convention in Savannah. Yeah, and and but I think that there's been a chorus of people that are calling for uh, you know Jim Beck to to. I, I think he did the smart thing by asking to be suspended as opposed to having been told. Now we'll see what the governor, if he points the group to make a recommendation to him. You know, Beck claims he's innocent. That indictment was pretty strong. And knowing um, U.S. Attorney B.J. Pack, I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't have moved forward unless he felt that the evidence was there. And we should always remember, Jen, uh, B.J. Pack was a Republican legislator uh, before he became the U.S. attorney, so it isn't as if this is a partisan issue going on. No, I mean, and I read the indictment, and it was incredibly well done. I mean, look, if I were a betting woman, <laughs> <laughs> I would say Mr. Beck is not going to have to worry about continuing his health care benefits because he's going to be getting them, you know, in a federal prison. I, 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 do you want to keep going? Because I have a question for you. No. Go. Oh, all right. So um, I, I th we were trying to determine, and I frankly still don't know for a fact, whether it st under statute the governor has to let a 14-day period go by before he can essentially remove Beck from uh, the job. But um, what do you make of the fact that, f at least for the time being, Beck continues to draw his salary? Yeah, I think that's problematic. I mean, look, th there is the whole idea of someone is, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um but at the same time, you need to be doing the right thing. What he needs to be doing is concentrating on his defense and not necessarily working about continuing to draw money from the state. And um, in terms of an optics issue for, I mean, you've got a constitutional officer now who's just been indicted by the federal government for fraud. Um, that's, that's pretty chilling. I mean, and that's going to be a real albatross around the neck of Republicans 
with other things. Yeah, I, definitely I, I, that. Look, yeah. it's not it's not helpful, but I will say that Jim Beck did not get elected insurance commissioner because everyone was out there because they wanted to elect Jim Beck. Jim Beck got elected insurance commissioner because he had an R next to his name in a state that elected Republicans up and down the ticket. So uh, interestingly enough, as Republicans do gather and they're they're arriving in Savannah, even as our show is on the air right now, uh, the Beck uh, issue is going to come up. There's going to be questions as to whether the state party should in some way uh, make an official statement about Beck. At the same time, Eric, they're going to be asked whether or not they need to say something in an official way about David Ralston and the ongoing stories about whether or not he's been using his position to the benefit of his legal clients, that won't go away. And both of those issues are likely to play some part in the convention this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not down in Savannah, but I've been yeah. to many, many state conventions. And there's a process by which they handle resolutions to make statements like that. And I have to believe that uh, that process is being managed. And so, um, but I, I don't have any insight as to uh, what the plan is uh, in either of those cases. I, I don't think that there'll be... You don't I'd think be, there will be I, any I'd kind be of official... I'd be surprised if there's a, a, a statement with regards to the, the speaker, um, with regards to the Beck issue. Uh, I think the fact that he asked to be suspended probably helps in terms of uh, trying to, you know, lower the, um, you know, the possibility of you know, some action being taken. I think the bigger issue at the state convention, uh, I mean, this is a convention to elect the new chairman of the party to yeah. succeed. And the Beck John. thing is playing a role in that as right. well. There are John. people trying to connect here, uh, Beck to David Schaefer, one of the candidates for the chairmanship, and and that may uh, work against uh, 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 Schaefer's campaign. Well, I think there's efforts on the part of his uh, opponents, um, Scott yeah. Johnson being the primary opponent, uh, to try and raise that issue because there are some, uh, you know, connections. Uh, the Georgia Underwriters Association. Yeah. I think David was either on the, was on the board or was yeah. he was, yeah. he he was, was on a the board, board member. Right, right. Um, whether that plays in, I don't know. You know, a couple of days ago, before all this broke, uh, you know, just from talking to people, it, it looked like David uh, had the momentum going into the weekend, uh, and whether or not uh, this is going to have an impact on the final result. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know tomorrow. You know, Jen, what's interesting about this convention is that, you know, uh, whether it's a Democratic Party state convention or Republicans, you know, electing the state chair, it's not an it, it's an inside baseball kind of thing. But what's interesting about this convention is we're told that Republicans are going to really look at whether or not they can put together they can mobilize grassroots efforts to turn out voters in 2020 in the way that the Democrats did in 2018 and really were able to win legislative seats back, uh, mobilized on behalf of Stacey Abrams, help bring her to uh, the, the close margin that she had with David. And it's interesting that uh, now Republicans are looking at how they can do the same thing. Look, I think they did do that. I mean— I mean, I think grassroots, really. Yeah, the turnout in the rural areas, I mean, were incredible. I mean, and a lot of it was because of kind of the Trump effect, and you know, um, and 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 people really voting against Stacey Abrams. Let me say that outside of Metro Atlanta, um, their problem is that 
because Republicans always vote. I mean, that's the issue. The issue is Democrats don't. And so if we were able to mobilize like that in a midterm, um, I mean, 2020 is going to be a new game altogether, and especially after HB 481. Um, but I do want to circle back to kind of the, the Jim Beck thing. I mean, it is a little bit sorted, the David Schaefer, Jim Beck kind of connection. And so the question is, are they going to censure or say something about Jim Beck in light of the fact that, you know, Schaefer is kind of on the ballot for chair. Yeah. And my guess is there's a lot of behind-the-scenes wrangling. Because if I'm Schaefer, I'm wanting to put the focus maybe on Ralston um, and not draw it kind of to the yeah. Beck. But David's been outspoken on the Beck piece, too. I mean, he, he called for him to, to step aside. Yeah, well, we're going to watch it unfold. Tomorrow's the big day at the state convention. Today they're all gathering. i got to get to another pledge break uh, and give Sarah Zaslaw and Bert Wesley Huffman a chance to tell you all this is your last chance to help support what we're doing here at Political Rewind. Bill just told you, I will echo, this is your last chance to support Political Rewind on this final day of the drive. Glad to have you with us. Glad you're a regular listener to GPB and maybe a regular listener to Political Rewind with Bill Nygut. We are looking to hear from our entire community of listeners during this spring fun drive. Not just one in 10 or one in 100, but you as well, dear listener, on this final chance to support Political Rewind and everything we do on this station. Do your own personal part and support GPB by calling 800 800- 222-4788 or you can go to gpb.org and click donate and you become part of the machine that makes us go. You are the wind beneath our wings. Sarah Zaslow and Bert Wesley Huffman. Oh dear, could you say your own name please? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's Bert Wesley Huffman. Thank the guy you. the guy that makes you go, oh gosh, well, I'm gonna, uh, more fundraising. That's right. But we've only got a few hours left. This is actually coming down to the last few minutes with a new administration in place here in Georgia and a growing field of president hopefuls across the country. Political Rewind has the coverage that you need to be more informed. So right now, GPB is bringing you the program on more platforms than ever before. I remember when we started this program with Bill uh, a few years ago, look at how much we have seen it grow since then. Now you can find it, it on not only GPB Radio, but also you can stream it on Facebook Live four days a week at 2 p.m. while they're in radio studio. And then also you can watch it on Sundays at 9 a.m. on GPB Television. Help us continue to be here for you during election seasons and times like like this and and beyond with your support right now. Call us at 800-222-4788 or go to gpb.org. On this very last day of the Spring Fund Drive, we are relying on you to do your part. Only you can do that. Wait for everyone else to do theirs, and together it's enough. So if you can, encourage your friends and neighbors and colleagues to join you in supporting GPB. If you know they're also listeners and they haven't done it yet. Thank you, Stephen Williams of St. Simons and Gregory Strayhorn from Atlanta for doing your part today. Uh, If you haven't joined yet, join them and join us at gpb.org, 800-222-4788. The advantage of being an ongoing monthly sustainer of GPB is that you don't have to keep track of when you last gave. Like, has it been a year yet? Have I lapsed? Am I due for more? You know that you're current, and you decide how much you'd like to give per month. $10 a month, $20 a month, set some weird number if that fixes, you know, floats your boat, just let us know at gpb.org or 800-222-4788. And your support easily, conveniently, automatically continues from one month to the next. You know you're always up to date. 
You can uh, carry this out at our website. I bet you know it by now, gpb.org. You may even know the number. It's 800-222-4788. Do the right thing and support your station. We sure know that number, 800-222-4788. Maybe you've been saying to yourself, I'll get around to it, but isn't that what you said last time? Don't let another minute or another fun drive go all the way by without you doing your part. Let GPB continue to be your window to the world and join us for the first time or maybe continue your support, chip in a little bit, something extra toward the cause. Consider $15 a month as a GPB sustainer, and we'll say thank you with the all-new Innovative Radio Combo, and it includes two of our most popular thank you gifts, the ceramic 20-ounce light blue GPB Mega Mug and its matching GPB Pocket Tee counterpart. It comes in your choice of sizes from small through triple. XL. Unfortunately, the uh, Mega Mug only comes in triple XL. That thing <laughs> is huge. You can put all of your favorite soup for lunch in there or your favorite beverage. It will keep you hyped up all day. <laughs> and uh, they're both beautiful. They're a beautiful blue color. It's a, it'd be a great collection to your uh, GPB swag collection. Call 800-222-4788. Make that gift of $15 a month as a GPB sustainer or take a look at those at gpb.org. You and four more in the next few minutes will keep us on track for this portion of Political Rewind. Help us reach these goals. The small goals add up to the big goal, and then we have enough bucks to turn into programs for you. We're counting on you to help us end this campaign successfully in less than five hours now on this final day of our spring fund drive. Here at GPB, we believe that no matter where you are in Georgia, we all deserve access to the highest quality news and information possible and a wide variety of perspectives. And that's why we've made a big investment in bringing you programs for and about Georgia produced right here at GPB. We've gotten some great feedback about Political Rewind on Second Thought, the program you're listening to right now, Political Rewind with Bill Nygut. And now is the time to show your support as we return to him and his guests for further discussion. Be part of the the, the chug, chug, chug at gpb.org or 800-222-4788. Your contribution keeps the, the programs coming to you on listener-supported GPB. Eric Tannenblatt. You asked for a moment to make a final statement about the Republican convention in Savannah this weekend. Well, you know, I think we also need to remember that the Republican convention is also a, a convening of the grassroots before we enter the next election cycle. So I think really the, the big events that are going to take place there besides electing a chairman uh, is tonight. Uh, Kellyanne Conway is going to be firing up the crowd, you know, on behalf of President Trump. Uh, and then I think this is going to be the big launch for David Perdue yeah. and his uh, reelection for the for the Senate. And I think that the Republican Party is pretty fired up and, uh, you know, they're all going to rally for David. Don't you wish you could be there to see Kelly and Conway tonight, Jen? God, I do. <laughs> I really, really do. I could probably arrange to buy a ticket for you if you'd like, Jen. It's, it's okay. I actually want to be in one piece through the weekend, to be quite frank. So. Uh, let me pick up on a uh, on a breaking news story. Within the last couple of hours, Jen, the uh, U.S. House uh, uh, passed by a big margin, 236 to 173, a reasonable margin, uh, the uh, legislation that extends civil rights protections, federal protections, to uh, LGBT, the LGBT uh, community across the country. It's, um, it's an important measure, obviously, for gays and lesbians, and uh, every Republican member of the Georgia delegation voted against it, despite the fact that some Republicans uh, crossed over to vote for it. Uh, what's the significance of that? 
you know, I just think it it's sad to to be quite frank, especially where we are in this country right now. Um, but I think what you see a lot of the time right now, and I've seen it in the state Senate and the state house, is that gerrymandering has really impacted um, Republicans as negatively as maybe it's impacted Democrats. How? Well, in the sense of if if you pack Republicans in or or people who tend to be way far to the right. I mean, it's interesting. Republicans don't necessarily care about a general election challenge because of the way that the districts are set up. Mm -hmm. What they're most concerned about is a primary challenge in these districts. And if you get a so you have to always be to the far right right on everything, even if you know it's not the right thing. And I've had several Republicans say to me, yeah, that's the right policy. Yeah, I get it. But no way, because, you know, I do not want to draw a primary challenger. And that's what they're afraid of. And that's a sad state. Well, I think I I think also, you know, the Democrats control the House of Representatives. And, you know, rather than working to try and come up with legislation that has the possibility of drawing more bipartisan support, uh, this bill had a number of poison pills. And those were things that made it easy for uh, Republicans to vote against it. And I think that we as a country have become so much more polarized and people are, uh, you know, going uh, into their own corners. And uh, we sort of moved away from how do you uh, the sort of the competition of ideas, the best ideas bubble up to the top if you are, are working with one another. And this is another example of this was just liberal Democratic legislation. But it's interesting. It ties back to HB 481, uh, because while people like to say both not just in Georgia, but in all the other states where uh, anti-abortion laws are being passed, um, you know, everybody likes to point to the fact that these laws are now being passed because Republicans who favor ending abortion, ending Roe, think the Supreme Court is now uh, composed in such a way that they will overturn it. But, Jen, they're also doing it for the exact reason you're talking about. We now have um, legislatures in the United States that are controlled by one party, and so it's much easier to pass bills like this without worrying about uh, whether Democrats are going to interfere with you. But that has had a big impact on all this, too. Well, and also it was, you know, going back to the whole idea that people are going to be energized by this. Republicans are going to be energized by this, that whole idea. Look, when they're going into 2020 and you've got Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, I mean, you got to be able to feed him something else. And and what is the one thing that we know, especially with evangelicals and the like, they were willing to overlook all of Donald Trump's foibles and flaws just because of the pro-life issue. And so now we, we, the state of Georgia, have now given them exactly what they wanted. And so you know, when you do that and you deliver, then you necessarily energize your base. And I think that was the whole point of it. I think it was politically motivated. I, I'm glad you talked about that. Eric, what I hear you arguing for in, in a, throughout the, this conversation is uh, is issues that, that uh, uh, appeal to the base. Is everything now in terms of the electoral politics that we're dealing with about the base, is there no longer—we talk about suburban women and the fact that they may be swing voters, but uh, Donald Trump has proven 
that uh, he sticks to his base and thinks he's going to win re-election that way. Is that what's, what's, beco- what's become of uh, all of us? Uh, un- unfortunately, I think that, that that is the case right now. I think we're now playing to our base, whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. But in and, terms of electoral politics, yeah, is and, that the way to win? And, 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 I think right now that's what we're entering an election season, and unfortunately, that's you know that that's the way that our leaders are 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 playing it. And I don't necessarily think it's the right way to go. I don't think it's good for us long term. But you know, one could argue too that you know being in positions of power lets you have influence over broader issues. I mean, there are issues besides some of these social issues that, you know, our country and our state are addressing that are really important. And, you know, people are, are you know, can criticize Donald Trump for, for certain things. But, I mean, if you look right now, our economy is doing pretty good. And uh, it's actually doing very, very good. And, you know, Donald Trump deserves credit for that and the Republican uh, leaders that have been supporting his policies. Jim? Well, you know, the economy may be doing pretty well, especially if you own stocks. Um, But I tell you what, in the state of Georgia, particularly farmers, um, and then with the tariffs that are coming on board, especially with peanuts that are going to be hit, and then let's talk about the fact that we still haven't gotten relief with respect to the storms and the farmers in South Georgia. I mean, look— we have the Secretary of Agriculture, who is the former governor of Georgia. We have his Sen- former boss. I know yeah. <laughs> Senator David Perdue, who is considered to be one of the closest people to Donald Trump in Washington D.C. And we can't even get aid for our farmers? Yeah, and that's because of Chuck Schumer in the Senate who started playing politics with the disaster relief bill and wanting to put more money in for Puerto Rico, knowing that the administration was not going to support it. And so our delegation is fighting hard. Governor Purdue or Secretary Purdue has actually found additional money to send to farmers, not just in Georgia, but across the country, working with others in the administration. So I, I don't think he could take the disaster relief issue and throw that on Republicans. So, I mean, I understand, Jim, we got to get to a break, but I understand that Eric represents a, a Republican point of view on this. Of course, President Trump it has repeatedly uh, uh, targeted Puerto Rico, made comments about not helping Puerto Rico. Yeah, so I'm not yeah. sure you can put all the blame on one party or the other. Look, this is what I'm going to put the blame on. What I'm going to put the blame on is when we start to politicize giving aid to the people in our country based on um, where they live. Okay. And that is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, okay. and, you know, they had an agreement with regards to Puerto Rico, and then Schumer asked for more. I got to get to uh, a pledge break. Uh, let's go back to Bert Wesley Huffman and Sarah Zaslaw, and we'll be back with more Political Rewind in just a couple minutes. Jen Jordan and Eric Tannenblatt on the show uh, today. St- uh, during the break, uh, I said, why don't we talk about Stacey Abrams for a minute? Tannenblatt said, of course, you don't want a show to go by without talking about Stacey Abrams. I know. We haven't talked about Stacey Abrams for several shows now, Mr. Tannenblatt. But in any case. Yeah, she's a master marketer. So she's back, Jen. She's back out on the national circuit again. I've seen her on all the national shows again. We've just learned that she's paid off her IRS debt which suggests she's getting set to do something. 
And here's what I want to ask you about. She's talked about, yes, she's thinking about running for president, but she doesn't know that she has to do anything till the fall. That always seemed sort of silly, that logic, given that people are out there raising money, organizing. But, you know, now that we have 24 Democrats in the race, she did her gubernatorial race in an unconventional way. She may just be right about waiting and jumping in later. Yeah, well, and also she has such a national profile that, look, I think a lot of reasons why folks have to start so early is to build kind of the fundraising infrastructure. I mean, it takes a lot of money, not only fundraising infrastructure, but people infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of has a lock and load thing ready to go if and when she wants it to happen. I mean, people... You know. Yeah, the only thing is that doesn't work in the Iowa caucuses. In it's the a Iowa, little tough. You got you got to organize. And you got to lock down the key leaders, and you you can't get into the race in the fall. But I think for her to continue on on her speaking circuit tour and making money and keeping the speculation, yeah, out you think there, that's it's great. why she was able to pay off her, her uh, IRS? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Look, I'm 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 all for you know um, you know the free enterprise system, and if she uh, you know wants to go out and speak and make money, that's fine. And Quite honestly, as a as a Georgia Republican, uh, as we enter this next election cycle, the more she's out and about around the uh, the country, uh, the less she's paying attention to what's happening here in Georgia. And not having someone of her celebrity at the top of the ticket, I think, is really going to hurt the Democrats. Yeah, but what's really interesting, at least from my perspective, is how she's even been able to take the 481 um, kind of debate and elevate it yeah. and kind of control it. And so... Now it's become even it's it's kind of transformed into this is why um, we need to fight voter suppression, because if you suppress voters, then they don't get to vote. And then these policies like 481 come into play. And then also the whole boycott thing. I mean, she's completely taking control of of telling Hollywood not to boycott Georgia. And so it's one of these things where she's almost responding to Kemp as if they are still in a campaign, um, except she gets the benefit of not having necessarily to govern. Or be I think that's a matter of that. interpretation. I mean, if you see polls that I've seen show every time she's speaking out and she's around the country, her favorability in Georgia keeps it's declining down. and well, her unfavorable to the best mind, Yeah, I've seen one poll that shows that maybe there are more than that. But, you know, Jen, I'm curious about something. Um, so she, it's been a while now since she said what we all assumed she was going to say. She wouldn't run for Senate. Uh, Teresa Tomlinson remains the only Democrat in this race. You decided you didn't want to do it. People were starting to think you'd be a good candidate, especially after your 481 fight in the Senate. Why aren't we seeing other Democrats jump in at this point? Where's Sarah Amico? Where's uh, John Ossoff? John Ossoff. I mean, what's going on? I am unsure. You're baffled. I am baffled. <laughs> I am absolutely baffled by this. Yeah. I mean, look, um, I, you know, word out, word on the street last week was that Sarah Riggs Amico was going to announce last week. And, you know, with John Ossoff, it may happen at any minute or it might not. Um, but the problem for them is that they're not Stacey Abrams. So every day that they let Tomlinson kind of dominate the news cycle or, or, or be in that place as the U.S. Senate candidate, 
um, they're going to have a lot of trouble kind of catching yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also think for Teresa's purpose, if she ultimately is the nominee, it would be better for her to have a have primary because sure. she's going to be running against a seasoned politician. And, now. of course, it's interesting that we've, aside from no other candidates, no African-American candidate coming forward. And you would think in the aftermath of Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial run, you, an African-American would want to jump into that I, race. I can't imagine. I, I would imagine someone would jump well, in. There'll be an African-American We'll see. Candidate. Mike Thurman says he's not going to do it. Uh, so we'll see who it is. There's Raphael Warnock keeps getting mentioned. Maybe Vernon Jones. Well, I've got a better one. What about Sherry Boston? All right. There you go. From DeKalb County. There you go. So now we have suggestions from both Eric Tannenblatt (laughs) and Jen Jordan about who ought to be. I think mine's better. (laughs) (laughs) Tell everybody who Sherry Boston is. Sherry Boston is the district District. attorney in DeKalb County and just incredibly well respected across the state among lawyers and um, law enforcement and just a powerhouse in and of herself. And the whole very important DeKalb county part of this sounds like she's trying to encourage you are you part of the draft sherry boston so, so i have another question eric this play this is like a big fat softball a weekend yeah. present for you okay i wonder if given that david purdue's favorability his approval numbers are higher than president trump in georgia they're higher than brian kemp in georgia they're higher than johnny isaacson in georgia i wonder if there are Democrats who think that he is going to be very, very tough to beat, and they just don't want to make that uh, camp, that make that race right now, well, that would be smart on their part. But I, I can't I, because I do think he is going to be a very, very formidable candidate. I think he's actually going to help the, the president uh, more than the president's going to help him. Jen, well, I, I don't doubt that, but in in terms of you know how strong he is. Look, I I don't think a lot of people really know much about David yeah. Perdue, and I think that's part of the thing. Well, and I and think so that's what Democrats have, hope, right? right? Once you have people starting to talk about exactly what somebody stands for and kind of what they've pushed and haven't, and there's money behind it, because that's what this is all about is about money messaging. Um, I think we're going to see a very different kind of um, reaction in terms of or impression of Georgia voters. All right. We're out of time uh, for today's show. Our rapid-fire wow. edition of Political Rewind. Jen Jordan and Eric Tannenblatt, I really appreciate it. I didn't your... even get to ask my you know, constituent request. Well, you, <laughs> after the show. It's because we have the best Senate district ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for uh, being here today. That's it for us. Uh, I'm Bill Nygut. I hope you have a great weekend. We're back with you on Monday at 2 o'clock. I'll see you then. And now let me send it back to Burt Wesley Huffman and Sarah Zaslaw. And while I do, let me once again thank you as we come to the end of our pledge drive later today for being supportive of GPB. Take care, everybody. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.